Oklahoma City Thunder. Yo. I, what else do you want? I mean, like everybody else is looking at our uh, pretty, pretty hand right now and saying, hey, "You know what it's like? Hey, we want some of that." It's it's kind of similar to having a really nice car or a really hot girlfriend, where everybody's like checking it out and wondering what it'd be like to take it for a ride. But the girlfriend or car? Both. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's like being a Thunder fan right now. They're like, oh man, could you imagine having a team that was that good? That much talent? Oh man, that'd be awesome, dude. It's just not your girl, man. That's so I'm sorry. That's our girl. That's right. We'll take it, dude. We'll take it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Giddy for MVP. Josh is free. Hell yes, guys. Hell yes. Uh, if you guys didn't see it, news came out that Josh has uh, been. Um, um, exonerated from any crimes that people may have thought he had committed. So right. um, we're, we're happy that that happened. So grateful. And now hopefully the rest of everybody can just move the fuck forward. Mm-mm. All right. They won't no? because now they have something to hate about this team and they're just going to utilize that. But All right. Josh has been using that fire recently and it's been I know, fire. I hear, I hear the booze come and then I see him get downhill. Do you think they're related? I mean, when I hear booze, I go downhill. So, Listen, man, I mean, I, I'm I, sure I was it has it something to do with it. Dude. I was like, Wart Giddy. For a lot of our, our listeners, they may not know. Wart Giddy played on Andrew Gaze's team. They were champions, bro. And Wart was hated and booed everywhere he went. So I felt like Josh would eventually tap into like, how do you use this as fuel? And I honestly think I, I do see that happening. I see him embrace being hated and the level of play he's playing right now is it's next level. He's just moving the ball around. He mm. doesn't have any pride. And when he takes the ball to the hole, he's getting to his shots. It's a sure. really good combination. He's worked really hard to get here because the beginning of the season, he was doing some things differently. Every year he's trying to improve a little bit, but this hmm. year he came out and was just like his ability to get to the hole was something he wasn't utilizing. His ability to get to the free throw line, get down to the block. That's when his size really can make a difference, you know, against the smaller guards and he's doing it with regularity sure. and he's even doing it against bigger players. So yeah, big well, that's shout out to him. matched up against. He's getting matched yeah. up against power forwards and centers. Like those are the guys that are having to guard him right now. And, I think that's the reason why he's having a lot of success in the beginning of the games is because when he gets that, you know, big guy to switch off on him, he just like just goes around him. His shot's nice you too, know, just, bro. And that's like yeah, you gotta pick your poison with fallen. him. Right. And I think I think I think with with that being said, is that you know, his stretch that he had a, a really rough, rough few, you know, games there, it, it was hard. But about a month. I'm let's just be honest. I'm I'm glad it's I'm glad this is a, in a place that we can, you know, attempt to move on from. Um, and go on from there because this team needs to continue to focus. And I think this this January, um, we've lost four games so far in January, five games, whatever it is. So, you know, we got to focus. We got to get going again because it's, we got a couple hard games left and this team's got to figure it out. So I, I, I need to what? give you a shout out, though, because when we looked at the season, you circled this stretch. You said this is, this is going to be really tough. And we've made a move. We've been able to hang on to our spot, move into the first place spot for a minute. But now we're sitting back around second, and we're, we want to make that move again. But this has been tough. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers back-to-back, that we knew it was going to be difficult. 
Uh, LeBron oh, yeah. plays his best against us because he's still pissed off that we took that night where he set the record. And I don't blame him. He should be forever. But now we... Paul George having his best game of the season to beat us. So, Dude, like, I just that's was just so appreciative. Happening. I was just so grateful that for that game. I, I know I wanted a win. Same with the Lakers. But when you see hmm. someone like Paul George and LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and James Harden play vintage-style basketball... Even that dunk by Westbrook, it just made me smile. Mm-hmm. I'm just like tipping my hat like I want to beat you guys. But when you have to team up Anthony Davis and LeBron James and all those other guys I mentioned to on the two teams, and those are the only two teams that can really stop your mojo, like, hey, man, this is our generation is beating the best of the entire last generation combined. And I know that they're not peak yeah. performance level and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? You can only play the players you're playing. So I'm grateful, man. I, I was... I was sad we lost, but man, that was some of the best basketball I've seen in years. Fucking yeah, years, bro. What's up, punk? Um, and and oh. I have to say, like, you know, the combined two games back to back. Um, if you think that Shea is healthy right now, you're sorely mistaken. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I I don't want anybody to be throwing up in arms or anything else like that. But um, before the Lakers game, I, I was watching reports, watching you know injury reports, and Shea's name popped up, said sprained knee, game time decision. And he still went out there and played against the Lakers. And then the next night he went out and played against the Clippers. But you could tell he was half a step behind. He didn't have that swagger there. So I hope that um, Jazz game is 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 good enough game where he can get a couple uh, extra minutes of breather. We'll see what happens. But, man, I'm telling you guys, Shea needs to get healthy. J-Dub stepped up in a big way the last couple of games. Chet stepped up in the Lakers game. So, uh, you know, we're getting there. Yeah, man. I'm, and Kaysen's been playing great. The bench has been outstanding. Like, what we've been able to expect from them has been off the charts. And that's been a big reason. You know, if you listen to the TNT broadcast with Greg Anthony, you know, they really gave our bench a ton of credit. Um, there are a sure. couple of stretches right now where you can see a little bit of slow, like our, our team is uh, like having trouble. I would say uh, for a little while ago was the first quarter. Um, but now it's kind of like the end of the third quarter. You know, Shea's still in the game. Yeah. The bench players haven't really come in and started taking over. But that beginning of the fourth quarter is a place where the bench has consistently made progress for us. You, go, you take that Clippers game, and by the time Shea came back in, they were handing him a game. And yeah, it it was it, it looked like it was on the verge of a blowout. Is even how the TNT people said it, right around twelve points. Like, but we knew. I mean, this team doesn't give up. Yeah. But what we were able to do down that stretch, I was really impressed with those shots that, like you said, Paul George was making and the way that he just took over the game. Um, you know, the only way you can learn from this type of stuff is to experience it. So mm. now the guys kind of right. know, you know, we want to be the Western mm. Conference champions. We want it this year. And other people have something to say about it. But how about Paul George after the game saying Oklahoma City won the trade? Like, they got an MVP candidate in Shea and all those picks, they won the trade. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that? I've never seen it. I I, I don't – you know what it was about Paul George's um, answer? And I'm being honest here, is that there's two places that Paul George, I think, plays next year. Oklahoma City or Los Angeles Clippers. So I think what you saw there was a an answer that was very politically correct answer. And that's what we got out of that. 
You know, like that's that, you know, like, do I think that Paul George can come play for the Oklahoma city thunder? No. But if Paul George had to leave, you know, that the respect level, just by listening to that interview, you know, the respect level is incredibly high. You know, that he would come back to Oklahoma city in a heartbeat because he knows that Sam would take care of him. He knows that coach D is a great coach because he was there when he was there, you know, like, this is he knows the structure, he knows the system, and he knows that this team is going to be competing for a championship over the next three years, four years. And in his mind, he's like, you know what? I, can the Clippers guarantee that they're going to compete for every championship in the next three or four years? No. Oklahoma hmm. City might be able to, though. That's interesting. I know he's trying to get because, a deal Because, like, done. why else has he signed a contract, man? Like, it doesn't make sense. And then last night you hear him, and they're like, did the Oklahoma City Thunder – or the other night, did the Oklahoma City Thunder win the uh, trade? And he pretty much danced around when he could have just been like, no, man, they got me. Clippers won the trade, hands down. It doesn't matter what they got. But, no, he was just like, da-da-da-da, Sam Presti's the band. He's the – you know, like, he's so sexy. Maybe he's just stating what everybody else knows by now. Maybe, but like I've never heard anything like that before. It was almost like he was just letting Sam know, "Hey, Sam, hey, big just sexy in case, I'm over here." Yeah, take your sexy beard and bring it over here. I mean, like what we do don't, think? we don't know, but it was just strange, bro. Like I, I sat there and I watched it six times, and each time I was just like listening to like, like because Paul George is not an idiot. I mean, he he's a methodical speaker. You know, he thinks about what he says. And I was just looking for like one reason where Paul George is like, nah, Clippers for life. But I mean, he said he would like to stay at the Clippers, but it does, it's not like, you know, like Kawhi signs a contract. They're talking about everybody else signing contracts. And Paul George is what, holding out? So what is he holding could, out for? I mean, here's the thing if you said both players were MVP candidates this year, which I, I mean, Paul George might be, but I don't think he is. Right, like, if you were to say both players MVP candidates this year, and one's twenty five, and the other one's what thirty two, then yeah, I mean, you yeah. gotta say on that premise alone, right? Like, you got more years of MVP level basketball, but then you throw in the picks, and by the way, one of those picks has turned into J Dub. Um, like, like if you're if you're a if you're a superstar of sorts, and you can call that for Paul George, superstar of sorts, right? Um, I think multiple times he's he's come in the top 10 of MVP voting throughout his career, multiple sorts, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, I would say this about this, is that Paul George came to Sam Presti and said, I want to play in Oklahoma City next year. You know, I don't want you to trade for me. I want to keep everything the same. I, I want to play in Oklahoma City next year because I know that you guys are going to be able to compete for a championship, but I need a long-term contract because my last two years, I know I'm not going to be as good as I am the first three years, right? But I want to win a championship here. As as a Sam Presti fan, right? Like part of me would be like, what what would we do with Paul George? Would we put him in that that you know fifth starter? Would we like? I, but if there was one player in the NBA that I would be like, you know what? That's possibly free. That's not mm-hmm. going to cost us anything but money. At this moment, Paul George plays both ways better than anybody else in the league. So, all right. A lot of people not? wanted to focus on like, um, would we want like KD back? And you're saying like, maybe you want Paul George back. Listen, if any of those guys like KD, if Paul George, like those guys that still have two, three, four more years want to come back and are willing to take a set slight discount, right? 
yeah. to win a championship because they recognize what we all recognize, all of our fans and us. We all recognize that this is a championship caliber team. And you're Sam Presti and you're saying, KD and Paul George want to come home. Like, why would you say no to that? Like, even one, you wouldn't say no to that. But both, you would be like, fuck yeah. Right now, we're the best show on hardwood, baby. Like, why would we? I, I honestly like because the we use we because get. we use ten players deep. Like it doesn't like that's unlike any other teams. Like it, like if you're sitting there and you're an uh, uh you know getting old player, right? And you're like, dude, I want to play twenty five minutes a night. I just want to play twenty five minutes a night. I don't. I hate getting to the thirties, which which makes sense for a thirty something year old, right? Mm-hmm. Where else are you looking? There's nowhere Man. else that you can play 25 minutes to, right. to lo- make your career longer. All right. So now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, say Paul George didn't appreciate the way that they handled his injuries. And he's like, I've been at a place where I know they don't handle shit like this. Cause they you know, coming into the season, they were like, we're going to press through the season. And they were acting like, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, all the time they took off during the regular season is why they missed in the playoffs. It, it was kind of a ridiculous argument. It's, and we'll call it the Steve Ballmer. I'm a billionaire, not a um, you know personal trainer argument. Like, hey man, people need to be in the office. You know, like if they ain't working, then what are we paying them hundreds of millions of dollars for? So, Steve Ballmer shows up every day. Why shouldn't Paul George show up every day? And then boom, now they're trying to get guys who have made their entire careers at, as successful as they have a lot part because of load management. Now they're trying to get Kawhi Leonard away from load management at this stage of the career. Like, I don't get it, man. Like, I appreciate teams that take long-term health seriously. And the question is, are the Clippers one of those teams? All right. You got me. Paul George well, over look at, anybody. Look at Shea's minutes, though. Look at Shea's minutes. All right? And you got to look at him and say, under 34 minutes a night almost every single night this season. I mean, there's sometimes he pops up to 36 or 38, but very, very rarely, right? Then you look at somebody like Luca, And dude's yeah. getting 40, you know? Like, he gets yeah. eight-minute breaks, two minutes a quarter, type thing. Like, what the fuck? You know, like, I'm sorry. But, like, those extra six, eight minutes a night, okay? Just, just do the math on those guys. All right, just do the math on that. Eight minutes a night times, let's just do 60, right? He's mm-hmm. playing like 10 extra games than Shea a season. Yeah. You know, you add those minutes up and you cannot help. And people are saying in the NBA that was saying, oh, load management isn't a thing. Don't worry about load management. I'm telling you, the NBA players are going to take note of this stuff. And the players that are veterans are going to look for teams that are strong teams. Not like, you know, going, listen. KD picked going to where he was, he where he was going because of the strength that they had. That he knew that he could play there 35 minutes, 33 minutes a game and be good, right? And then they went out and got um, Bradley Beal and just destroyed the bench. Then he couldn't do that anymore. Now he has to play all those minutes. I'm telling you, these guys don't. I mean, they'll do it because they don't mind whatever, but they want to play 25, 30 minutes at 33, 34, 35 years old because if they can do that. Then they're all of a sudden looking at being able to have a, you know, seven-year career left. I mean, look at LeBron. I mean, he's like the most minutes ever, pretty much. Like, he's just killing it right now. I'm telling you, eventually it's going to take its toll, and he's going to miss the last two or three years of basketball that he could have played because of injury just took it everything else away because he played so many minutes. And that's 
at that point in their lives, that's like a $40 million paycheck per year. I mean, you're walking away from close to $100 million by not being able to play the last two years of your career. All right. So the Thunder have consistently made that a big part of what they do. And we're seeing that. Love you too, man. Thanks, buddy. We're we're seeing that reflect with the guys that you see from the Thunder who started their career who are still playing in the league at a high level. You mentioned KD, James Harden, Russ, like even Steven Adams um, is still in the league, although out from injury, which, you know, I'm not going to blame it on any team. His back was always a problem. But Hmm. like the reality is when you look at what's happening with this next generation, we have like really high expectations for career longevity and health. Maybe none of that will come true with some of these guys, but um, that's our expectations. You know, when we see what we're seeing from Chet, we can't help but think about, like, this isn't the best Chet we're going to see. And some teams, you know, players peak their rookie year, and a lot of that comes down to how hard they push them, right? Sure. That's it. Like, But you see these guys that are hungry. There's a difference between being pushed and being hungry. Like, um, the best the best way of, of of doing that is is hungry, right? I look at I look at Shaq and I look at Andrew Bynum. All right. And I, I guys, I know you guys are gonna give me shit for doing this, right? But you got Shaq and Andrew Bynum. Okay, and you got both incredibly talented when they came to the league, their rookie years, right? Why did Shaq become so much better than Andrew Bynum? It's because Shaq was hungry. Andrew Bynum was as talented. And there's a difference. Like, yes, you can make a $150 million contract on being talented. But guess what? Andrew Wiggins, he's talented. Do you think he's hungry, though? I don't think he's hungry, but he's, he's going to end up walking away with close to $500 million in his career in the NBA by the time he gets shoe contracts and stuff like that. So you can be talented and get paid a lot, but there's a difference. Like, I look at Chet, and you can say this. The same thing I would say about this is that Victor, right, and Chet, like one's hungry, right? And one's talented. And I don't need to sit here and I need to explain anything about who's hungry and who's talented because I think everybody fucking knows who's hungry and who's talented because JJ Reddick's talking about it. I mean, Chauncey Billups is talking about it. I mean, you could go down the list of everybody that's talking about who's talented and who's hungry. And there's a difference, Yo. guys. If you want to become great, you have to be fucking hungry. And what is this entire Oklahoma City Thunder team full of? Hungry motherfuckers, bro. So, Chet, kind of hope yes. that Victor wins the Rookie of the Year. Dude, you know what I want Victor to do? I want because him to win the Rookie of the Year and just shove it up his own ass, dude, and just be like, dude, yeah, won something. I, I want him, I want Chet to lose because I want Chet to have, like, an edge. That is beyond anything that can be given to you if you are pampered. You know, the, I am going to go out there and prove every single day that these stupid motherfuckers missed out on the greatest player in the league because you all you could see was some you know, mesmerizing freak. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, things Victor does, it's like, they're incredible. But when you look at the way that Chet plays the game and his mastery, of the game, the, the way that the NBA is currently played, it's so different than anything I've seen. And people are missing it because yeah. they just keep talking about a freak. And I'm happy because, well, like, go ahead. You know what the NBA is going to do? Let me tell you what the NBA is going to do. 
All right. The NBA is going to allow Chet to go to the All Star game. They're going to get, basically put him in the All Star game. But he will not be the rookie of the year. They will not allow it. Definitely will not allow Chet being rookie of the year. There is too much that goes into this, this award that it's a popularity contest. It's, it's so much more than just who's the best true. player with the best team and all that other stuff. And because of that, Chet. I, he could have an incredible season and they're still going to try to shed light on, on Victor. And I'm totally cool with that because when push comes to shove, like you said, Chet's going to utilize his motivation, first of all. And the second thing Chet's going to do is he's going to get better and better and better. It feeds the beast, bro. All right. You, you, you go out there and you put out a couple insane games and insane stuff, right? And you have what is considered one of the greatest rookie um, rookie seasons of all time. Yet, they give it to somebody else, right? And you're saying that that's not going to sit there and that's not going to stir in him all year? Be like, these motherfuckers mm-hmm. think I'm worse? I mean, these motherfuckers think that I, I'm not as good as Victor? Like, what the fuck? You know, like, is Victor doing freakish things? Yes, it goes back to talent, bro. Victor's talented. I mean, incredibly talented, man. But if he doesn't get that MVP, it'll be like, oh, that sucks. And just be like, I'll work harder, right? But he, come on, he's not hungry. It's a fucking beast. You have to have that beast inside of you, man. And Shaq had that beast. Andrew Bynum didn't. <laughs> and am I saying it's like, Chet's like Shaq and Andrew Bynum is like Victor? I mean, you guys, you guys do you, man. I'm just, I'm just using two guys that I've watched in my career play against each other that I always watched and saw Andrew Bynum act like this. He could be this incredible player and also just <laughs> fell on his face after making a shit ton of money. Here's what you have to ignore to convince yourself that Victor is a better player. You have to ignore that he shoots below 30% from three. And he still jacks up five a game. I, I know we don't <laughs> like to do this often, but it reminds me very much of Jordan Telford. <laughs> Shut up, Blake. Jordan Telford stats right there. Like, he flirts with 30% and shoots. Anyway, remember when Russ did that? How people used to treat him? But anyway, anyway, I, anyway. I, no, listen, they're, they're honest. Victor is talented. He shoots, dude, he shoots 46%. 46% from the field. So here's the thing, right? Okay, so like, what if, in, in perspective, what if Shaq shot 39%, 39% from the field, bro, is the lowest percentage in the NBA right now, right? Yeah. And fourth on that list is Jalen Green from the Houston Rockets, and he's shooting 41%, 42%. Victor wow. can't be much further than that, bro. Worst in the league. Top 10 worst in the league in shooting has to be close to that, dude. And how can San Antonio fans sit there and just trash J.J. Redick when J.J. Redick brings this shit up? They're like, you're an idiot, J.J. And here's a shout-out to Chencho. I fucking love you, man. Appreciate you... Uh, Throwing that out there and um, definitely um, making Keeping us feel us. good about that on on um, on Twitter. So it makes X. So, dude, Doug, hell yes, man, yes. Thank you for the ten dollars, bro. We appreciate that tip. Thank That's you, awesome, Doug. man. Salute to you. Hell yeah, dude. Dave, what I what I want to say sure. about this is you saw it coming. I was like, I started watching those highlights of Victor and being like, he might be better than Chet. And, and what you told me, and I think this is great to, to keep in perspective right now, is that like basically it didn't matter 
Like hmm. Victor was going to do special things, but Chet was going to be his own player. And, you know, but we still, I still wanted to drag everybody into the Victor versus Chet debate as much as possible. And it's been a, a hell of a year, Dave. I mean, a, a rookie campaign, unlike any we've ever seen. Back and forth Nothing on who's going to be first place. I've never seen something like this with such elite talent. And Victor was the most hyped rookie since LeBron. And in a big way, he's lived up to the hype. And nobody's talking about just what that really means that Chet has been able to, you know, supplant himself into the number one, you know, for the first half of the season. Like, what does this mean overall? And what happens next? Well, first of all, it's it's about growth because I, as much as I love Chet, and, and if you ask Chet, I mean, obviously he's already said it, but if you ask Chet, like, what does he have to prove in this? He'd be everything. Everything has to be proven yet still. Um, I, I still think that he needs to improve his <coughs> defensive rebounding. I still hmm, think that yeah. there's a lot of improvement in, on his block shots and his um, um, positioning on block shots. I think there's a lot of improvement in, on his offensive game, even though his numbers seem very, very high. So. Um, to me, I'm watching his game and I'm just like improvement, 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 which tells me like sometimes you watch a player and you're like, this guy, I mean, he doesn't need much more to improve. You know, he, like this is like I would watch uh, Christoph Porzingis, right? Um, and I would watch him and I'd be like, man, he's pretty much at the top of his level. You know, you can tell. Right. And that's what he did. Like he, he never really went past his top of his level as he did in, um, you know, prior to Dallas, slightly prior to Dallas. You know, like he was always this. You can tell when players are going to reach their level and stop. But with, with Chet, you see these like flashes of like truly, like truly greatness. Like you're like, oh. And then he does it four or five plays in a row, right? And then you lose track of him throughout the game. And that's not a diss on him, right? That's just a more of a we're going to double down on him. We're going to do this. We're going to throw him a different type of defense. And at this point, he's getting stumped because he's a rookie still, right? But that's fine because when he learns how to get better through those situations and the different defenders that they throw at him and the double teams that they throw at him and the taking away the lob passes that he throws at him, he learns how to go around those things. He's a better player. So for me, I look at his game and I was like, where, how far can he go from here? And what are we going to look at next? Like, like you can't compare Chet and Victor. And this is why is Chet's going to win championships and MVPs. He is. He's going to be defensive player of the year. He's going to win MVPs. He might even get a couple scoring titles in there. Victor is four drafts away from being able to be um, in a place that they're no longer rebuilding. Four. Four drafts away from no longer rebuilding. And if you think about that, if they do anything more than four drafts, if they try to like fast pace this and be like, we could do this in two drafts, right? And get some other players here. They're going to put themselves in the same exact position that that Luca's in. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, we got Victor. It's really cool over here in San Antonio. Come play with Victor, guys. No one's going to do it, you know. And that's the problem. They have to build by the draft. If they try to fast pace it, they try to do anything, cut corners, like we we've seen a couple teams try to do now. That's not going to work for them. It's just not. Victor needs time to develop, and he needs guys around him that can develop with him in order to be a good position, whereas Chet is already in a place to compete right now. So when it's all said and done, and everybody's looking back and saying, this player is better, this player is better, this player is better, I mean, are we even talking about who's better between Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade? Are we talking about who's better between 
Kobe Bryant's and I mean, we could down the list guys, I, Allen Iverson. We're, we're not, we're not talking about who's better because Kobe's got five. So you know, like I, we're going to be in the same position in, in, in 20 years when we're looking back and looking at Victor and looking at Chet and we're going to be like, Chet's got the champions, man. You know, like Mark, Mark, remember when um, we were in high school and the foster kids, right? They had the two fosters, right? One uncle of the fosters had all the championships, right? He got three championship rings from Oklahoma football, right? Maybe. And the other uncle, the other uncle got All-American all yeah. for OU, but never won a championship. You get all who the accolades, bragging? but never a championship. What do you remember? Uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, who has who the bragging the rights there? The champion, the rings, or the guy that was the offensive all pro or, or um, uh, offensive line all pro? Right. Goes back to it, man. Like that's what these guys are going to do. It's going to be like, well, I have five MVPs and I have four scoring titles and I have this and I have that. And Chet's going to be like, and I've got these many rings. See them? See my rings? And Victor's like, I don't look at all the stuff I did. And Victor's going to be like, and see my rings? Chet's going to be like, see my rings, guys? See my rings? Like, it doesn't matter. Let's go oh, back to the scoreboard, man. When the team's kicking yeah, your so, ass, you don't taunt them. <laughs> so, What's up? Wash. Um, what's up, buddy? So, Dave, we were talking about, no, we weren't talking about, what I wanted to talk about is this thing they were talking about on TNT. Like, they were asking who's going to step up for the Thunder and be the consistent yes. number two option. Is it going to be J-Dub or is it going to be Chet? Um, yes. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually do. I'm so glad Doug threw this in the, the, the thing because I've been really thinking about this. Um, all right. So when Shea's in the game, right, the, Shea, the offense runs great. You pull Shea out, Josh Getty's in the game, the offense runs great. But when Josh comes out and Shea's out, how does the offense run? Recently, it's been running amazing. It Why has been, been running amazing? Fine, fine. Why? Doug, you nailed it on the head. Mischich is playing outstanding recently. There you go. He's getting more playing time. And, and, and you want to say, uh, who's going to be the second best scorer? You can't, it's not about being the second best scorer, bro. What it is is about being the second best playmaker. Hmm. And that's what Mischich is able to do, man. He is bringing something to the table that, that I haven't seen in a long time off a guy off a bench. And, and you have to have a second-time playmaker. And, and, and here's the thing about it. You got Shea does phenomenal you got j-dub does phenomenal right but when you have shay j-dub and josh getting in the game i feel like um, j-dub brings the ball up like like 40 percent of the time right and then 30 percent each of the other shay and and josh right and then when mischief comes in the game and and he gets the ball all the time why why does he get the ball in his hands all the time and josh doesn't or or j-dub doesn't or shay doesn't it's because when he's in the game, the offense is the most fluent offense I have ever seen. He is a director. And if you think about somebody that sits in front of an orchestra and directs the orchestra, right? And it's like the violins, right? The harps, like this, this, this. And he's knowing where to point and where to get the music flow, right? And you watch Mischitz and he's sitting there and he's talking to the guys and he's saying, hey, go here, go here, go here, right? on dead balls, on, you know, he has the ball in his hands. He's pointing to people. He's going back door. He's doing all this other stuff. It's a director. He does the same thing on defense. Somebody was trashing his defense the other day. Uh, and I was, uh, um, 
on um, uh, X, not Twitter, um, but X, and they're t- um, talking about how horrible, horrible his defense is. And I'm sitting there watching his defense, and it's not bad. What he's doing is he's constantly like, back door, back door, left, right, go this way, go this way. He's a director. And when you have somebody on there in the on the court that not only directs it and does what it takes for the other team, but the old team sees what he's doing. And then on the other side, he's passing the ball and getting to the hole and making the shots that he's doing. It's effortless. And so when you say who needs to be that second best player on that team, I, I bring it back to is that Mischich has got to get his game better. If we're going to have a chance to win this championship, we have a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals, Mischich has got to be that sixth player off the bench. He's got to be that guy. And if he is that guy, then I'm telling you right now, we're the best versions of ourselves. Because if we have Shea, J-Dub, Josh Giddy, Chet out there, and Mischich out there at one time, throw Dort out there, throw a combination of this player, Isaiah Joe, Mischich, I'm telling you guys. Wiggins. Wiggins, back, Mr. Backdoor himself. Like these, these guys are going to change everything. But Mischich is the key to it all. And when people are saying, we need to make a trade, we need to do this right here, guess what? Mischich hasn't played very much this season. He's like a trade that we just got that knows our offense, that's been playing with the guys, knows where they're going. He's a piece that we just added that's been playing outstanding. And that's how I look at this trade is which of these guys that aren't playing right now a lot are going to step up and start playing better and more. Because then we don't have to worry about any trades. We don't have to do anything else like that. We just have to stand pat and not do anything else. Enjoy it. As Doug says, enjoy the ride. It's a marathon. This is not a sprint, guys. This is not a fucking sprint. Sit back. Enjoy the show. And recognize that two losses in a row, three losses in a row is part of the season. There's no panicking. There's no like, we got to get this player. We got to get this player. No, there's none of that. There's going to be ups and downs, and that's just part of the game. Thank you, Doug. I promise you that your $10 will be used to party our asses off. Thank you. Oh, yeah.